before we get started what we're going to be talking about tonight, we have a door prize. So whoever has a child that is closest to this date, March 6th, and it has a child's birthday closest to this date, then we have a, a door prize for you. So does anybody have a child who has a birthday? <gasps> okay, so I'm going to show you guys what's in here, okay? Okay, this was our favorite Bible that we read to our kids. We went through three of them. You can only get them on Amazon now. It's not something you can buy. So, guys, you're going to have to, this has someone else's name on it. You'll have to put your own little tag on there. But, um, <laughs> that's right, you do. Um, but one of the reasons why we really loved this, um, it's very honest with the scripture. It doesn't, it, it, it passes over what is inappropriate for a little four-year-old, so they're not asking you questions about things. But at the same time, it's really dealing with the truth of the story. And it is caricatures, but they're real life. It's like, written in like a cartoon style, like each story, but it's real life. The, 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 you know, they're, they're not silly. It's not taking the Bible and making it into a game or making it into something silly and stupid. It's the real word, and we really, we loved it. So, all right, here's for Maya. Thank you. Good job, guys. You want the bag? <laughs> All right, well, good evening. You know, um, our journey with our children raising them has been um, mostly joyful, mostly happy, mostly beautiful, mostly a blessing, um, which is as it should be. I think that's the emphasis in Scripture. Um, is that children are the inheritance of the Lord. They're a blessing from the Lord. We tell people all the time, children are not a burden, they're a blessing. They're an inheritance that the Lord has given you. If you, you know, the question that I ask is if you, if you were all wise and all powerful and you could give your sons and daughters anything that you wanted to do uh, to give them as an inheritance, what would it be? And God's answer is children. Um, they're amazing. And so having said that, there are things in Scripture. Paul, can you turn me down just a little bit? I think I'm echoing. Um, there are things in Scripture that are pretty weighty and um, kind of heavy that we need to weigh also. Um, what we'd like to talk about tonight is, is creating an atmosphere in your home where the Lord God is honored as the highest um, authority and where his, he's honored um, with our children in our home. And so there's, there's some weighty scriptures in the Bible that have to do with child rearing as well as the joyful ones, right? <laughs> Proverbs uh, chapter 30 verse 17 is one of the weighty ones. The eye that mocks the father and scorns the mother, the eagles and the ravens will pick it out. Really? There's things that are important to the Lord 
obviously the issue of having the right authority structure in your home is important. Um, we want to talk about that a little bit um, tonight. So I'm going to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 2. This is another weighty uh, scripture passage that has to do with parenting. But it's good to have both um, the weighty and the joyful together because that brings the proper balance, I believe. So this is 1 Samuel 2. Um, Verse 22 says, Now Eli was very old, and he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who served at the doorway to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things, the evil things that I hear now from the people? No, my sons, for the report is not good, which I hear the Lord's people circulating. And then verse 27, Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I not indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose them from all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to carry the ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father and all, all the fire offerings of the sons of Israel? So he was the priest. Why do you kick at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling, and honor, this is, this is the phrase, and honor your sons above me by making yourselves fat with the choicest of every offering of my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. So there's an issue of honor. So my, my first question is, how did things get to this point with Eli and with his sons? Um, obviously, it didn't just start right then. There was a pattern clearly in Eli's family and in the way that he raised his sons to where they were not honoring to the Lord and Eli didn't do his job in making sure that the Lord God was honored in his home. Honoring the Lord has to do with having the authority structure and honoring the authority structure that he has set up. That's part of honoring God. It's honoring his authority structure. And so the authority structure clearly in the Bible is that the children are obedient to the parents, right? What's the problem with understanding that? Well, it's a cultural issue to where there are uh, lots of messages that are sent forth that are very um, antithetical to the biblical model, which is children honor your father and mother. Why? This is the first commandment with promise, that your days may go well, that your life may be blessed. This is for the benefit of the children that they learn how to honor their parents and live in honor in the authority structure that God has set up in the home. And so um, this is one of the weightier issues um, that have to do with parenting because nobody wants their child's eye to get plucked out by the ravens or the young eagle because they mock their father or they you know, scorn or despise their mother. And so um, we want to deal with some issues that have to do with, with setting up your home and your parenting in such a way that God is honored, which means that his authority structure is honored in your home, which means that your children <laughs> honor you. 
It's to the benefit of your children to honor you, mom and dad. Their life will be blessed by God. He promised it. Paul said this is the first commandment of the ten with a promise that, has, that is attached to it. So let me just talk for a minute about what does a child-centered home look like. So I would say that there's two choices. There's a child-centered home or there's a God-centered home in which the parents are actually the authority in the home under the Lord. Okay. So let me just give you some bullet points. Okay. There's eight of these um, that would define what a child-centered home would look like. Uh, your home is child-centered if the children interrupt adults when they're talking. In our home, we always had this rule that if we were talking or we were talking to other adults, our kids came up and they knew to just put their hand on our arm and that we would recognize them at the appropriate time for them to speak instead of coming and blurting out everything that was on their mind. It's a way of honoring and showing respect. Again, this is not an ego trip for mom and dad. This is for the blessing of the children to learn how to respect the authority structure of the Lord so that God can bless their life. This passage here um, in 1 Samuel 2, I didn't read every verse in there, but it's really sobering. Um, the, the Bible says that Eli spoke to his sons. He didn't restrain them, but they didn't listen to him. And then it says, because the Lord desired to kill them. <laughs> That's pretty weighty. Um, we want our children to be blessed by the Lord, right? And so for them to be safe under the authority structure of the Lord, we need to set up parameters and help to teach them to learn how to respect the authority of God in their home, which is you, mom and dad. It's you. So culture has shifted heavily, as you know. It used to be in, in the Victorian age and in the old uh, times, you see in the old time movies, you know, children are to be seen and not heard, that kind of thing, which was a ditch on one side. But the ditch on the other side now is that the kids rule the roost and that they run the house, basically. And it's just as wrong and just as destructive. So my first bullet point, um, if, if there's a home that's child-centered, the children interrupt adults when adults are talking. Secondly, they use manipulation and rebellion to get their way. No, I want her. No, I want her. No. Mm -mm, that doesn't fly. We always told our kids, if you throw a fit, then you automatically disqualify yourself from whatever you were asking. You do not get it ever. 100% of the time, the answer is no, if you do that. That's not acceptable behavior. Um, number three, the children dictate the family schedule, including meal times and bedtimes. <laughs> or whatever plate or cup they might want to use. No, I want the green one. No, I want that spoon. I don't want that. I want that. And it's a mistake, parents, to go, okay, honey, it's okay. Here, you can get the one you want. That's a mistake. That's sending the message to them that they are in authority in your home. And I, I will tell you something just from raising seven children, that your children always will feel the most secure when they know who's in authority and they know where their boundaries are. They will always be the happiest. Your kids will be most happy when they're not in authority and they know that they're not, but they're safe. They're loved. 
They're embraced, but they're not in authority. That's the message they need to know, okay? Um, number four, where your children have an equal or overriding vote in all decision-making matters. <laughs> where should we go to eat, or where should we go on Saturday? I want to go to such and such. Okay, we're, we're, we're listening to your voice, but you don't override everything that the parents want to do. At the end of the day, they need to understand what their role is. That's where they're going to be safest and happiest. Um, number five, if the children escape the consequences of their sinful and irresponsible behavior um, through whatever means, manipulation. In other words, if you don't follow through as parents, if we don't follow through for them, then we're telling them that they're the ones that are in authority, that they're not going to be responsible for their actions. It's a terrible message to send to children that you're not going to reap what you sow. You're not going to reap the, the fruit of your own choices. That's a horrible message to send to them because the rest of their life, they will reap the fruit. Go ahead, and, and they'll struggle to learn to fear the Lord. Teaching your children that there are going to be consequences is going to be the message that, and one day you will stand before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we fear him because we are going to, you know, every man is going to be judged when he stands before the judgment seat of Christ. That's what the truth is. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Um, number six, if parents, if children speak to their parents as if they were their peers, then that's a sign that you have a child-centered home. I had a friend growing up, and he called both of his parents by their first name in sixth grade. Sybil, I'm thirsty. I need something to drink. I'm not kidding you. And so I saw that in his home, and I saw that he never got any deal with that, so I went to my house and tried it one time. I, I tried it once. And the look that my dad gave me made me know, you will never do that again. I just went, you know, it was that, it was, it was that kind of a look, like, no, you will never do that again, or you're dead. You're dead. So um, that's not okay. Um, it's not okay to speak on those kinds of terms, you know, how, how children speak to each other. There needs to be a level of respect. Again, who's this for the blessing of? This is for the blessing of the children, primarily. It's also for the blessing of the parents because lots of parents are frustrated when their kids run the house because the authority structure is all messed up. Um, okay, number seven, uh, when the children are the dominant influence in the home, where they s always suck all of the air out of the room. When there's visitors that come, they're always, so when there's visitors that come, they're gonna go up there and go, Mr. Luke, Mr. Luke, Mr. Luke, Mr. Luke, look, look what I got. And like, that's, that's not okay. It's okay if they ask and say, is it okay if I show Mr. Luke my new toy pistol or whatever? Then that would be appropriate. But for them to go and suck all the air out of the room and everybody that's there, they're going to dominate. I mean, you know, listen, you know adults like this, do you not? That wherever they go, they have to be the center of attention. You know why? Because they weren't raised knowing that you can't. That's not how life works. So, um, again, we don't want our children to be cursed. We want them to be blessed. And they're not... Um, 
in control of the authority structure in the home. Okay, number eight, you have a child-centered home when your children have to be entertained and coddled rather than disciplined out of a bad mood. They're gonna throw themselves around and have a bad mood and punish everybody emotionally in the house because they're in a bad mood or they had a bad day or something went wrong. And so that means they have to get a special dessert and watch a special movie. No, that's not okay. Who's in control there? And who knows that they're in control there is, is the child. It's not healthy for them, it's not good for them, and it's not a blessing for them on multiple levels. One is that they're outside of the authority structure, and at the end of the day, who did God hold mostly responsible in 1 Samuel chapter 2? Yeah, the boys got judged because they were in rebellion and they were grown, but at the end of the day, God sent the prophet and God said himself to Eli, dude, it's, it's on you. This is because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. So this is the weighty part of, of parenting, um, is making sure that the Lord is honored and making sure that we have a God-centered home, which means that God's authority structure is honored and is implemented, and the children don't run the house and don't run every day, and they don't make all the decisions. So, I mean, there's multiple levels of this, okay? One of the levels that, you know, as our children got older that I don't, you know, with this, our oldest son, Jace, he loved to play football. And sports and music and extracurricular activities are slippery things and difficult to know exactly how to navigate. How many know this as parents? You can get sucked up every moment of your day and of your life with extracurricular things that your kids want to do. And so our son, Jace, he was really good at football. And in our homeschool group, he was a hero. He was dominant. And in our neighborhood, he was amazing. But I had a conversation with him one day. He was in high school, and he had played in a sophomore year at George Jenkins. Um, I said, Jace, listen, son, you're, you're never going to be a great football player. You go, why would you say that, Dad? You're supposed to tell them they could be anything they want to be, but it's a lie. They can't be. I said, you, you don't have, look at me, you don't have the genetics. You're, when you get out there and you're playing with guys that are twice as fast, twice as big, and twice as strong as you, you're going to see you're great in the homeschool group. Everybody thinks you're the hero. But when you go out there and these guys actually hit you and knock the wind out of you, uh, you're going to realize you're really not that good. And so I said, look, for me, we don't, it's not that we don't want you to play football, but it's practice every single day where we have to shuttle you back and forth. It's game every Friday night for, the, for our family. I said, now, I, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. If you tell me that you believe that God has some kind of divine purpose for you in playing football, that it's part of your destiny, and I'm not, I'm not joking, then I said, we'll sacrifice for that as a family. We will. If there's some purpose in it. That's a divine purpose. But I said, if it's just because you love to play and you enjoy it, then that puts it in an entirely different category for me because I have seven children and I have to make decisions based on what's best for the whole family. I said, so I want you to go and pray and we're gonna get back together and talk in a few days. 
And this was really instructive. So we got back together in a few days, and I said, what, what do you feel in your heart? Do you, do you believe that there's something that God has for you in playing football that's divine destiny for your life? Like, I mean, this is, I'm not saying you're going to play as a professional player. You're not going to. But is there something that God has that has eternity in it? And here's, here was his answer. This is very insightful. He said, it's so hard to tell when you really want to do something. <laughs> isn't that the truth we pray and ask the Lord about something but if we really <laughs> want to do something it's so hard to hear you don't want to hear the no you know I said well Jason what do you think can you can you tell me that you feel like there's some kind of divine purpose in this and he said no not really I said okay well then my decision is you can't play football this year and he was sad he was sad, but he did really well. See, his gifting was academic, and the Lord did have something for him in academics as far as his career, which has played out and all of that. Uh, but he needed to, his junior year was really heavy with, with coursework and demands and all of that. So that's what he needed to focus on. Um, but in his senior year, he, he responded with such a beautiful attitude throughout the rest of that year and did such a great job that my heart was completely won over for the senior year <laughs> where he didn't have that much of a heavy you know, load academically. And he wanted to play football again, and I said, yes, you can play. Um, by that time, he had his license and he could drive, which was a big deal, um, obviously for our family. So... Um, those, those are the kind of things that happen, that come up. But at the end of the day, the question is, who's going to give account? I, this is what I say to my kids. If I'm going to give account, then I'm going to make the decision. If I'm going to have to answer to God, then I'm going to make the decision prayerfully. Uh, I'm not going to let you make it. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I'm the one that's going to have to give account for you. Um, so that's a little bit about... I'll let Diane take over and share um, whatever she's got to go with. Okay. Yeah, very good. And um, in one book I read, talking about um, how children honor their parents, and one thing we don't think about is that, you know, it just said, you know, realize that when you let your children tell you no, they have just said no to the authority figure in their life given to them by God. That's who they just said no to. That made me really think about that and get some strong conviction like, oh, that is not okay. Um, and one thing we did, um, Barry is reading, he was reading out of a, uh, a page that we had copied out of a book called The Angry Child. And, um, and so this also is from that book and um, it has listed 25 characteristics of a fool. And I'm not going to read all of them. But when I read this, what really struck me is it said that the characteristics of a fool are essentially the same as those of a rebel. Wow. So the road of foolish behavior some of it is just immature, and we're not really talking about that. We're talking about more 
you know, you, you get the red flag in your heart from the Holy Spirit, like you need to pray and you need to deal with this and you need to get some wisdom, you need to get on your knees, you need to open up that word and figure out how you're going to get that, that weed out of there because the, this road is going to go somewhere. The road is the road of a rebel. That's not what we want. So 25 characteristics of a fool, when I read this, what I did was I made a huge poster and um, when we had devotions in the morning, um, I wrote out characteristics of the wise, characteristics of the foolish. And um, most of these scriptures I put on there, some are a little redundant, so I didn't like redo every one. But then as I have gone through Proverbs, I would write, there are others that I would write. Okay, this is a wise character, this is foolish character. And um, it really helped. We would go over that in the morning. I'm going to read a few of them. Um, a foolish characteristic is that they despise wisdom and instruction. But it says that the wise will listen to instruction. And you know the Bible says the word to the wise is sufficient. Our, heard, our kids heard that a fair amount of times growing up. A word to the wise is sufficient. What that means is you really only need to be told one time if you're wise because you listen up, you listen to instruction. You don't have to be told over and over and over and over. Um, a foolish, the Bible says that the wise son is a joy to his father and mother, but the foolish grieve his mother. The foolish are right in his own eyes, but the Bible says that the wise, they're humble. And again, they listen to instruction. They're not thinking that they're the, you know, the wisest and the smartest one in the room, and they know everything. If they're quick to anger, that's definitely a character of a fool. Um, hates to depart from evil. If they're deceitful, um, and that's Proverbs. And, and I, I'm sorry, I haven't been given the scripture references, but um, that's Proverbs 14:8 that they're deceitful. And um, lying was a big thing. I feel like the Lord really highlighted to us like this is a very big deal pay attention and i told my children i said i am praying and i believe he has done this that i, I would tell them if you ever lie to me if you ever lie i am praying that somehow some way the holy spirit is going to let me know i said you know what i know he's going to so you won't get away with it. And if you do, there's a heavier consequence for that than anything else you could do. There's no relationship without honesty. Bottom line, you know, it's obviously not fearing the Lord to tell lies. And the Bible is very clear about that in Proverbs 6. The Lord hates lies. Um, did you want to say anything about it? You know, so often when children, when they lie, you know, like, no, that, that, there's, that doesn't add up. That's not true. <laughs> um, from what I'm saying, that's, a, that's just not. So our kids were being somewhat influenced by that. And so what I did was um, I wanted to help to set their conscience by the word of God. And so we sat down and I said, we're going to have a little Bible study here about telling the truth and about lying and how important it is and loving the truth and speaking the truth even when it hurts even when it costs you something 
to love the truth. And so, you know, I would read scriptures like Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. There's a whole bunch of scriptures. And when we would talk about those, and I finally worked my way down to Revelation chapter 21, <laughs> where it says, And all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And I, I told my kids, I said, look, that road, if that's the road that you're going to go down, it leads somewhere. The road of lying, it leads somewhere because it's going to infect every part of your life and every relationship that you have and especially your relationship with God. And that road leads somewhere. Is that where you want to go? And their little eyes were like, I said, we're going to speak the truth in this house. Don't, don't lie. Don't, don't lie. He, look, part of what we do as parents is that we help to establish conscience in our children. That's part of our role is we establish, we help to establish boundaries that they're not going to cross because they love the truth. And we do that by setting scripture. So, I mean, there was... Um, different times where we had little Bible studies. One of them was where we had, the, you know, we we're having these conversations as our kids were getting older about um, drinking, you know, the, just the whole issue of alcohol, about um, maybe what entertainment, you know, they're going after. And so we sat down in our living room on the floor um, with some of the cousins, and we had a little Bible study about keeping a pure conscience before the Lord and how important that is um, to get those truths ingrained inside of them. I wanna tell you something, because the Lord has, um, he's made you as the parents, the authority in your home, the words that you speak and the values that you hold, they carry weight with your kids. And when you share in earnest, they know that it's coming from here, then that puts something inside of them that helps to establish a boundary in their conscience like okay I don't cross this thing this is not what I do I'm not going to compromise it. so that is a blessing to your children it's a huge blessing we the, as the parents we help to establish the boundaries of conscience in our children and share freely the scripture with them when the Lord shows you something I would share with them when you know just failures that I'd had and the th lessons that I learned when I got a whooping from the Lord and tell them, you know, this, this is what I learned. Like, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> God showed me, and, and he made it real to me. That has power with your children. They won't forget those stories that you tell them. And the things that you share with them, I mean, our kids still remember. I mean, these little Bible studies that we had about things, they, they remember because they're, they get marked by that. So I would just encourage you to share those things and to help them. I mean, we're talking about creating an atmosphere in your home where God is supremely honored and his authority is the issue there. You're the authority as the parents in the, in the human form, but his word is the authority at the end of the day. And what the message we wanna to send to our kids is, we're all underneath his word and his authority in this home. That's how we make our decisions. That's how we live. Mm -hmm. And some beautiful fruit from that is just, um, like Barry said before, you know, you're making your home a place where the Holy Spirit's free to dwell. Well, you know what's going to happen then? It's like he's personally 
going to deal with your children. And like he shared last time, there were so many times when our children would come to us, like, Mom, Dad, I did something wrong, and confess what they did, and we would have never known. You know, um, it wasn't something that we were aware of at that moment. Um, and one time, um, you know, and Barry was talking about how the in the child-centered home that, you know, there could be one that's really moody. Well, that's, that's a lot of flesh. What you're seeing when you see a really bad mood is flesh. Think about what have you been sowing into or what your, has your child been sowing into that has made them have so much flesh that they're just ugly and they're going to be rude and they don't care. Um, you know, maybe they need to be doing more chores. Maybe they need to be serving. Maybe they need to be doing something um, and being a blessing to others because obviously they're so self-focused that any little thing sets them off. Um, but when, when you, you know, then you, have the, then you have the child and you go, okay, generally they're in a good mood. Generally this is a happy child. And then you see, oh, they're different. The Holy Spirit, you know, who's dwelling in your home, can say to you, something's wrong. Start praying, Mama, or start praying, Dad. You need, there's something you need to find out. There's something that you need to um, go after. And um, one time with one of our kids, um, they had been away at a cousin's house. We, did, we generally didn't do sleepovers. Um, with other friends. We just had our own conviction about that. We remembered when we were younger, and it wasn't generally a good thing, so, um, but we did let them sleep over with the cousins, so one of them had gone to the cousins, and they came home, and I'm like, wow, something's wrong. The Holy Spirit keeps saying, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. I'm like, well, how is everything? Trying to talk to them, good, but you know, like, they're kind of shut down a little bit. I'm like, hmm. You know, they're saying everything's good and everything went great and they had a you know good time and everything's okay, but it's, it's not okay. It's not okay. And I just kept praying in my heart, kept praying. I was think I was in the kitchen washing dishes, and I'm like, so, tell me what did what did you guys do? And he looked at me, and he went to his bedroom and literally cried for two hours. So much conviction. He had to go get a haircut, and at that time, he was driving, so I'm like, hey, are you okay? Should I cancel that haircut? You know, it's, we've gotta be there in like 15 minutes. No, it's okay, I'll go to it. But like the Lord, whatever it was, like the Lord so beautifully washed it away with all those tears of repentance. And it's beautiful. You know, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful thing when the Holy Spirit is actively moving in the lives of your kids. Um, so, some more, we ha you know, we have copies of this, if you guys want this. If you want a and list from Proverbs, yeah. Yeah, if you want a list from Proverbs, but like I said, this is not exhaustive. I wouldn't take this and just think, okay, this is everything. Go through it. Make a chart for your kids. Because then you can say, okay, hey, let's talk about that. Like, let's let's go to your room for a few minutes and, you know, or let's uh, 
that you, you know, you know, they need to be disciplined or whatever, but like, so what about that behavior? Remember our chart? What do you think about what you did? Was that wise behavior or was that characteristic of a fool? And, you know, they own up to it and it helps them. It helps them. And also, like one thing we tried to do too is call out when we saw the wise behavior because if all they feel like is that you're just getting on them for every little thing, you, we're just gonna crush them. But encourage them. Um, you know, I saw when you did that. I saw when you, um, I, you know, I know that you really wanted to do this and then when dad said you couldn't, like you honored him. Like the Lord sees that, that is so good. Or sometimes, you know, as Barry and I were talking before we came, just um, I had heard this from a guy, S.M. Davis, who's really good with just different character issues, and he's got videos and stuff online. But um, his name is S.M. Davis. But he was just making the point that, you know, Paul in the, um, in the letters to the churches would oftentimes say, hey, you know, this guy, Timothy, or whoever, you know, he did this, Epaphroditus, like he sacrificed in this way. Those letters were, writ were read before the whole church body. It wasn't just, you know, one person individually reading it. And so what do you think happened in the lives of those people when that good character was called out in front of everybody? And I'm not saying that it's flattery. I'm not saying that we're constantly telling our kids they're the awesomest and they're the greatest and they're the smartest because like Barry said, then we're lying to them, like you can do anything. But, but every once in a while, like I would, I would see something and, or on a personal note, one-to-one, -one, I would say something on a very regular basis, not puffing them up, but just like, hey, good job. That's the way, that's, you did the right thing there and I'm really proud of you. Um, but then sometimes too, Barry come home and I say, honey, I just wanna let you know that this is a situation that came to mind, like, um, you know, today Malia wasn't feeling well and Brendan was, had planned to go play with his homeschool friends and like when you're homeschooled and you don't see other kids, <laughs> like that one day a week when you're gonna get to go with me, with your friends, like you wanna go. And I'm like, um, I knew that Brendan really wanted to go. Um, I said, but you know, Malia wasn't feeling good, and he he opted to stay home, and you know, he want he offered like to stay home and just be with her rather than you know go play because she wasn't feeling good, and she wasn't going to be able to go, and there wasn't any other kids home because everybody else was at the writing class that we were going to, and um, just something like that, just like you know, I just wanted to let you know like what good character I saw in Brennan today, or what a wise choice he made, or how much he preferred above himself, you know? And anyway, um, just be mindful because those things, when that happens in the life of a child, it means so much. They, they, you know, they really, they do have the foolishness bound up in their heart and they do need the rod of correction to drive it far from them. But there's also that little heart that loves their mommy and daddy and they want to please mommy and daddy. They want to honor you and call that out in them. You know, when you're correcting them, you know, yeah, that was, yeah, that was foolish, wasn't it? That wasn't wise behavior. Is that what you really want? And ask them, is that what you really want? No. Do you want to honor Jesus? 
Yes, I never had my kids say, no, I don't want to. They always said, yes, that is what I really want. And I'm like, okay, well, we're, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna, we're gonna call you higher. I'm gonna have to discipline you for that. And let's, you know, I know God has more for you. This is not what he has for you. Just, just call them higher in that, in that time of correction. Call them up to wisdom. And, you know, children, along with other people, they usually rise to the level of expectation, right? So if we're expecting that they do want to honor the Lord, then that's more what we'll see. Um, and then I just had written down um, just a few things like with, um, like with honoring the parents. Um, Weary and I were always so careful like to have a united front. So whatever he said, you know, we're in front of the kids, we're having a discussion or whatever, whatever he says it goes, because I'm gonna honor the authority. And, um, you know, sometimes we would have friends that are like, yeah, my husband said they can't do this, but he's not home and I don't think it matters. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what message are you sending to your kids that dad's word doesn't matter? Like, and, and I think this was, this was something that was just really huge to us. And even in the matter of entertainment, we were just really careful not to put before them movies where dad was an imbecile. Like, no, that wasn't okay. If we don't think entertainment is gonna affect our kids, let's think about how much money they pay for advertisements. It's ridiculous because they know that that's gonna affect them. What your kids see will affect them. I had a friend whose little girl was just randomly, like they might be riding their bikes or they might be doing whatever, and all of a sudden she would just get off the bike and throw a little fit. And she was telling me about it. She's like, what is going on? She's never done anything like this before. I don't understand it. She doesn't see that with behavior with other kids. Like we're not around a lot of other kids. Like I don't know where this is coming from. She's just throwing fits. So I was like, I don't know. One time they were at a house and something was wrong with her chair and she just decided she was gonna throw a little fit. And I'm like, you know what? That looks like Shirley Temple. You guys ever see a Shirley Temple movie when she was real little and she would throw that little fit? And I'm like, that looks like Shirley Temple. So I told my friend, I said, you know what? That reminds me just like, a Shirley, just like Shirley Temple. And she just looked at me. I cannot believe you just said that. She said, my mom sent her a whole Shirley Temple series for her birthday, and she's been watching Shirley Temple every day. I'm like, yep, there it is. I said, I bet if you take Shirley Temple away, then those little, those little tantrums are going to go away, and they did. It's amazing how they are affected. I had another friend who, you know, I know it sounds awful, but like Finding Nemo, like we didn't watch it. Like, I don't know, we were just more on the, conservative end because like once you see something you see something you can't take it back so I had a, fr a friend who was dealing with her little girl yelling at her I hate you she said yeah it was in the Finding Nemo movie and now we're trying to deal with it and I'm like maybe that's a good reason not to see it I don't know like we didn't know that was in there I was like okay that's that's why we're not going to see it anyway I mean now of course they can see it whatever yeah our kids dealt with this with their peers and they would come home and have the conversation with us. We don't ever watch anything. 
Or they would get somewhere and their kids would be like, have you seen this in that movie? They're like, no. Have you seen this movie? No. You haven't seen that? And they felt like they were the biggest stoops in the world. And so here's where we had one of our little conversations where we'd sit down and I'd say, you know what? You, the images, I have images in my brain from when I, before I knew Jesus, that I wish to God I could get out. But they still come back. I said, what have you lost if you haven't watched some kind of entertainment? What, have you lost anything of any value? The worst that you've done is you've, there's, there was no value to it <laughs> other than feeding your flesh. So I told our kids from a young age, I said, listen, your mind is not a garbage can. Don't put garbage in it. I can tell you from my experience that I have battled ever since I came to Jesus when he drew me to himself when I was 15 years old to undo so many of the images that were destructive that had been sown into my life. I don't want that for you. If you could start out with a clean slate at your age and you don't have to get rid of all the garbage, that'll be a huge blessing for you. Um, conversations like that carry weight. And um, our kids, they, they got mocked some by their peers and I'm like, what, what have you lost? Tell me what real value did you lose by not seeing those movies? But there could be things in them that are sown in you that could be a curse for you for the rest <coughs> of your life. And they all thanked us. Like as they've gotten older, they're like, wow, we are so glad we didn't watch all that stuff. Mm. And now they'll watch it because like they're, you know, like Lion King or whatever. And they'll be like, you know what? I'm, I see this, I see that, I see pantheism, I see this. And like, I said, I can't believe like little kids are watching this stuff. And um, it's just, it's just kind of funny. Like now they're like very thankful, very thankful. And with, um, we're getting off like on the entertainment thing a little bit, but with video games, oh my goodness. We were like, guys, sorry, it's a half hour a week. All their friends are playing so much more, but they're not just a half hour a week because then they're sitting there watching their brother play. So I'm like, no, we're wasting more than a half hour a week, like individually, it's more time than that. But like, we just, we just were pretty strict with that. But they're like, we are so glad. We are so thankful that that's not a hook in us, you know, a hook in our flesh that Satan can just, you know, pull us any which way and get a hold of our flesh and um, take us down the wrong road. Make, make no mistake, a spirit of lust is a hook in the flesh that gets into people primarily through entertainment. That's absolutely the truth. And I'm like, Okay, so we had this timeshare deal with my parents where we went to Myrtle Beach every year, which they, you know, paid for graciously, and we went, and I have two older brothers and all the families, we get together for a family reunion. As my boys got older, I had to sit down with my dad, and I said, look, I can't subject my teenage boys to girls out on the beach walking around pushing lemonade carts with G-strings on. Like, I can't do that to them. That's torturing them. And those images in their head, why do I want them to struggle with lust for their whole teenager? Like, I don't want that. Here, look, here's, here's the deal. Parents are the keepers of the seeds for their children. When they're younger, you have a smaller strain. 
When they're older, I think that you can reason and you can show conviction and say, look, this is the reason why I wouldn't, and I don't think that it would be healthy. You know, I ask them the question that I ask myself. Do you think this would be good for your spiritual life? Do you think this would be good for your relationship with Jesus to do this stuff? Like, is that putting a hook in your flesh for the devil to pull on? I say, yeah, absolutely, that's what happens. And so um, those kind of conversations, dad, if you can lead the way in that, that will be a blessing to your children. Um, Tell them why you do what you do and why you think what you think, you know? I've told them multiple times why I don't drink. We've had the conversation, oh, guys, it's not wrong to drink alcohol in the Bible, Dad. I, I know that. But there's other considerations. Uh, one of them is the Lord rescued me out of alcoholism when I was a teenager, and I don't want to return to that vomit. But the second thing is, if I'm out at a ball game and I'm at a Bucks game and I've got a Bud Light there and somebody from the church comes up and says, Brother Barry's an elder in the church and he's out there drinking a Bud Light. But they, maybe they came out of that background. Paul said, if eating meat or drinking wine causes my brother to stumble, I will not eat meat or drink wine while the world stands. There's a higher consideration than my liberty. This is what, you know, these are conversations that I have with my teenagers. They're trying to figure out, why is it wrong to smoke, to smoke stogies? Because first of all, you look like a fool, for one thing. <laughs> and you reek like an ashtray. But what is that saying about your relationship with Jesus? And what, is that, what message is that conveying? I mean, just think about it. You can cause people to stumble. There's bigger considerations than your liberty. Mom and dad, as your kids get older, you need to have these conversations with them and help them to think through because they've got friends you can guarantee that are saying that there's nothing wrong with drinking. There's nothing wrong with swearing. Do you know? I mean, that's a, that's a big thing now with Christians. They have a foul mouth, even those in ministry. It's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen. But it's acceptable now. We're going to go out and drink and we're going to cuss like a sailor, but we're on the pastoral staff. Dude, this happens every day. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. That's what has happened with the culture when it invades. And here's the scripture that we have to be um, confident of is truth and its reality. Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap it. You will. Why did he start out that phrase with be not deceived? Because a lot of people are deceived right here at this point. Stop right there. Here's the stoplight. Don't be deceived. You are going to reap what you sow. And so, um, what a blessing for them to learn this. So, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. We're going to talk about discipline here coming up probably next time. Uh, but, but you know one of the things that I find in Proverbs? When it talks about the foolishness in a child, there's hope for that to get that out. There's hope to get that. You've got time, parents. You, this is your job to help to get the fool out of your child. But as they get older and it hardens inside of their character, you know, the Bible said, I was just uh, reading Proverbs 27. It says, though you pound a fool in a mortar with pestle, a 
along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Once it's hardened in there, you can grind him up like with the grain, but it won't come out. But with your child, it will come out if you deal with it correctly. So kind of there's like hope. the example of the tree. Right. Yeah. So, you know, my business was trees of righteousness. So I would always tell my kids when I discipline them, you're like a little sapling. If you take that little tree, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys have all seen this, where they'll take some small trees and they'll actually weave trunks together and they'll be braided because they're so flexible when they're little. And then when the tree grows up, it's got this solid braided trunk. They do that with ficus trees and other trees as well. But once that trunk gets hard, you can't just take it apart and you can't bend it the way you want. If it grows up like this and it's bent, it'll always be ruined. Um, so I would tell our kids, this is what we're doing. We're taking this and we're putting stakes on your little trunk so that you grow up straight and strong before the Lord. So that when you harden off and your character matures, you won't have fool in it. You won't have this in it. It, I can, you know, I tell my kids, I can tell you from experience, it's hard and it hurts to get that crookedness out of your character when you're older and it's already hardened off in you. And it takes a lot of dealing of the Lord and it's, it takes years of your life to, to get that stuff undone. And so uh, I'm like, I don't want that for you. I want you to start where I am now, start with a clean slate and just take off and soar and surpass me a hundred times over, you know? That's what I want for my kids. That's what we all want for our kids. So the, the, the point of deception is don't, don't think that what the seeds that we allow to be sown in our children are not going to come back to bite them. They will. We had had situations, and I know we're getting down in time, but where our kids had friends and one of them was, was one of the liars that I referenced earlier. Um, he, he just could not tell the truth. Like he fabricated so many things about himself, about what happened during the day. Have, have you known people like this? Their, their, their whole life is like a, a fabrication of what happened. You can't believe anything that they say. And this is the way he was. And our kids, uh, a couple of them were hanging out with, there was, there's several brothers there. And they were kind of, you know, hanging out, and they were had some things in common, and um, they would hang out together. And their, my sons, their relationship, I could tell their spiritual life was dwindling. And we knew where that was coming from. And I had a conversation with my boys, and I said, these relationships do you believe that they are actually helping your relationship with Jesus or is this hurting your relationship with the Lord? And they both said, it's hurting our relationship with the Lord. So here's dad at the point, man. I had, to, I had the awkward conversation of having to talk with their dad. <laughs> that was super awkward. My boys can't hang out with your boys anymore. He's like, what's up? I said, well, I'm not throwing your boys under the bus. I'm just saying, if I see that there's a sickness somewhere, I've got to start, you know, it's like you do with your diet. You start going, okay, is it the milk? Is it the whatever? We gotta take this out, and we gotta take this out until we found it. And um, but that, that was a really, really awkward conversation um, to have with their dad.
and he did not appreciate it, I can tell you. But you know what? My boys rebounded, and they admitted after that, this was, this was a great thing for us. Our spiritual life has been revived and revitalized because that was just a bad influence. So that was part of the, um, uh, the, the whole seeds thing and the whole friendships thing and the whole peer thing. All of that is part of the parenting thing. Not, look, we, we're, not, we're not domineering or strong-handed in control like you can't have that friend. I mean, it's nothing like that. It was more like having the conversation of how is this affecting your heart? How is your heart doing? How is your walk with Jesus doing? And having that conversation and just letting them be honest and go, it's not good, Dad. It's not good. Then what do you need to do? <laughs> you need to cut that out. If it's poison in your life, then you need to get rid of that thing. So those are all good, beautiful lessons, um, uh, you know, and, and part of our role as parenting is, is to be in those positions. This is why the parents have to be in authority, because we need to help steer the ship for them. We need to help them to think clearly about the issues that are affecting their life and to think about their lives in the light of eternity. It's, it's a big deal. All right, let's pray, guys. Father, we just want to say that um, we want you to have your way in our children, in our own lives. Lord, would you help us in parenting to um, be the keepers that you want us to be? Would you help us to be able to speak into the lives of our children the way you want us to and to give wisdom and to give insight, to give understanding? Would you help us to stand in the place that we should take as your authority in our homes so that there's a safe place there, there's an atmosphere there where you are honored and your authority is honored in us and in our children? Would you help us, Lord, to be the keeper and the watcher over the seeds that are sown so that your name would be made great in our children so that they would have a future and a hope and a heritage and that you would bless them and you would give them long life and all the things that you promised for them when they honor the authority that you've put into their life. Lord, do these things, we pray. Father, we want our children to be a praise to you in the earth. We want them to know you with all of their heart and soul and mind and strength. We don't want them to be polluted by the enemy we don't want the enemy to have any place to sow seeds into them or to put hooks in them. We want them to be like pure virgins that we present to you, a chaste virgin for your bride. Let our children be that, Lord. Give us wisdom, God. We need your perspective. We need your wisdom every day, every moment. And we thank you for your grace and for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.